Welcome to The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. Hello, ladies and gents. Welcome once again to The Struggle is Real, a podcast by Family Bridges to help encourage millennial parents. We're glad you joined us. We are your hosts, Omar Ramos, joined by... By Veronica Avila. Hi, Omar. How are you? Very well. Thank you. Good. Guess what? We continue on with our faith series. Very interesting today because today's topic is the defiant child. Do you have a defiant child? Um, not at this point. <laughs> and I hope it stays that way. <laughs> good, good. I don't either, but well, the little one might be a little defiant. <laughs> so for those parents that are listening and can relate, well, stick around because this discussion is going to be very, very helpful. To further discuss, we welcome our guest, Dr. Alicia Laos. She's a clinical psychologist, CEO of Family Bridges, and she's also co-author of The Struggle is Real. And we also have Jeff Wright. He is the CEO of Urban Ministries. Thank you both for being with us. Thank you. Thank you. Jeff, we have Alicia here with us in every podcast. She shares her expertise, but we also want to know about you and what Urban Ministry does. What is it? Sure. Urban Ministries is a media and publishing firm. We were started in 1970 with the idea of bringing Christian education materials that would be uniquely contextualized for African-Americans and anyone really having an urban experience. Uh, At that time, it was very difficult to find resources for spiritual education, Christian education Mm. that were really relevant for the audience. Mm -hmm. And so our founder got the idea that these resources, if they were developed in a way that people could relate to them, see themselves in the stories and the images and the pictures, that it would be a great thing. So today we are doing Bible study and other content for thousands of churches around the country books, magazines, historical work, some video and media, and also some radio broadcasts. Awesome. Sounds like a lot of fun. Thank you so much for that uh, service. And we're going to go ahead and uh, proceed here. So before we listen to the scenarios we prepared, welcome once again. Thank you so much for joining us. I have a question for you, though. Were you a defiant child growing up? You know, I was a quiet defiant. Mm. There was a level of defiance where you give your parents (laughs) what they think they want to see. Mm Mm-hmm. But then you keep as much of your second life hidden from them as possible. And I was very good at that. By the time I got to my teen years, I would say I was in full-blown double life. I had the life of <laughs> compliance that my of parents course. saw. Of course. And I had the life of defiance, which included many adventures in the streets and in the woods of Washington, D.C., where I grew up. Sounds like uh, my upgrading as well. Right on. Veronica. Now, we know that in each family, each member or each kid has their own personality or they have a split personality like you just described. You know, some of them are more complacent. Others are a bit more strong-willed or a lot, right? So why don't we listen to this skit where we're going to have a teen throwing a tantrum or not? Guess who just made the deal of a lifetime? You did? You know it. Nice drawing, by the way. Thanks. Have you seen your sister? She's in the bathroom, I think. Or on the phone somewhere. Or maybe both. There she is. Hey, Pearl, get your butt over here. I got good news. What is it? The three of us are flying back to Memphis in first class. Really? Woohoo. And we get a travel voucher for $500 anywhere we want before the end of the year. Can you say Mexico? What's the catch? No catch. We just leave on a later flight. How much later? Our next flight is in six hours. A bit of a wait. Six hours? I do. 
We have to wait in this airport for six hours? What's the difference? You got somewhere to be? You didn't even ask. When you pay for your own ticket, I'll ask. Calm down. It's in first class. This is so unfair. You'll live. You always do this. You don't care about anyone. You just want to save money. Is that a crime? What am I missing here? She's probably just going out to see her boyfriend tonight. Shut up. Watch your mouth. You have five days left of break. That's plenty of time to see your friends. That's not even what I was doing. I'm supposed to tutor sixth graders tonight in algebra. <laughs> like you even care. I hate this family so much. I can't wait until I don't have to be a part of it. Hey. Just lugging us you around need for to a cool free it. travel Take a voucher, walk. Doing whatever you want as long as it suits you. I'm done. Joey, let's go get something to eat. Okay. Just leave me alone, why don't you? If that's the way you want it. Here's your boarding pass. You have your phone. Knock yourself out. You want us to get you a pretzel? I want you to suck an egg. Come on, Jojo. We can still have a good time, can't we? Yeah. It's always better without me. Don't feel sorry for her. She gets everything she wants. Let's leave her alone. Can we get lemonade? We can do whatever we want. We're in first class now. Wow, okay, that was pretty intense. So uh, Dad traded uh, their seats for a later flight, six hours later to be exact, in exchange for a voucher they can later use as a free vacation ride, so to speak. Pretty exciting for him and Joey, who's about six years old, but not so much for Pearl, who is a teenager in this scenario. So, doctor. (laughs) I'm sorry. (laughs) I just lost it. You lost me? No, I just think it's just crazy. You think this is crazy? (laughs) The story's pretty crazy, I know it is. Now, uh, was this a good move by dad or not? What went wrong here? Why did this teenager get so upset so fast? Well, I think it's hilarious that she's accusing her dad of the same thing she's doing. You know, she's being pretty oppositional. And you just want to empathize with the dad that just took a six-hour vacation. I think I just think it, it went south. Very um, mm-hmm. Very south. And he just started taking a little bit of a bullying later on because he obviously got very frustrated mm-hmm. with, the, with the sassy teenage daughter. And I could understand why that would happen. But... Because she's really just instigating, you know, the worst in him. Mm-hmm. But I think what went wrong is that instead of becoming a bully also, he needed to be more of a father. Mm-hmm. But I'm going to throw it over to Jeff that has sure. four kids that I think can <laughs> give us some has good insights. Through this, He's right? collecting his thoughts right now. <laughs> yeah, well, I have gone through this. And there is that interesting point that you get to where you have to move from power parenting into coaching. Okay. And it's a difficult space to navigate depending on what's happened up to that point. So there were a couple of points in the exchange where clearly she crossed the line of respect. Exactly. Mm-hmm. And essentially went horizontal with her dad. You know, my judgment's better than yours. You always do this. Many other comments. And navigating that transition period when you are actually happy that your teenager can feel more responsible, can express their opinions, and yet at at the same time, keeping some guardrails up so that they don't breach the place of parental authority is very, very, very difficult. And we saw that laid out here. I mean, there are opportunities and situations where you might want your daughter to be assertive, to be able to stand up for herself, but not at the expense of your position mm-hmm. as parent. Exactly. And that's what he let mm-hmm. happen. Yep. Now, should he have maybe consulted with them? Hey, you know, guys, there's this opportunity. What if we do this? Or just do it, and maybe that's why she was so upset. You know, this is where I think a lot of people lose it in parenting. Mm -hmm. I mean, I've seen people in grocery stores having that negotiation with a three-year-old. No, (laughs) you don't get to make your mind up. 
we give kids too many choices. I mean, right now, my wife and I have this thought all the time with our 10-year-old. It's like, okay, he doesn't get a choice on this. He's going to wear the blue shirt, period. <laughs> you know, you only get a popsicle. No, an ice cream cone is not available. But balancing between when you give them choices mm-hmm. and when you let them into the decision process and when you say, no, wait a minute, I'm a parent, see you at 18. That's when you can really have your way, like he said. I mean, it's, it's a tough one. Mm-hmm. And I think the part that is extremely difficult is getting to this place where you get your influence without necessarily having to use your authority, your parental authority. And that's what I meant earlier about moving into coaching mode. You're on the sidelines, you're in charge of the team, but you're not playing the game that they're playing. Mm-hmm. And you've got to get to a point where your influence through a, more of a coaching mindset is uh, what takes over and not necessarily just command and control, here's what we're doing, that's it. And then, of course, he went to the worst place. He shut down, essentially. Okay, see you in six hours. Do your thing. You know, yeah. do your thing. That, that's not going to help. Yep, yep. Thank you, Jeff, for that. Now, um, obviously, I want to assume that all parents love their children. <laughs> of course. <laughs> of course, right? But what do we do when it comes to having those resentful feelings towards our kids? I mean, how can we go about it? Obviously, you want to be engaged with your kid. You want to love your child. But when they act that way, you kind of become a little resentful. How do parents deal with that? If you don't recognize it, then you're going to speak it forth and it's going to come out. And mm-hmm. so it's important to do a self-check and then be able to hold it at bay, talk to someone this time. Obviously, at this moment, he's not going to be able to do it, but be able to reflect that back. Hey, what you're doing right now is very disrespectful. I don't appreciate it. What's going on? There's something else that maybe I'm not getting. I'm not catching. There's a mm-hmm. story here I'm not seeing. Tell me more about it. So just having a different attitude would have changed the conversation. Exactly. I mean, we all know how these these voucher opportunities are going to come. So, of course, there's no question of being able to ask her about it. They're like one of those things that you got to you know jump and be the first one in line to grab it. So I agree with Jeff. There's opportunities and situations where, no, we're not going to go out and have the kids you know be able to have a decision in it. There are some that do merit it. But I think where it went south, like what we already talked about, was that he turned into a bully. He became oppositional. And there were two kids playing in the exactly. playground. And so... Just being a coach, like he said, being able to just, what's going on? You're obviously very upset. And, you know, the more upset you get, the more upset I am. So he's doing that self-checkup and then just being, you know, tell me what's going on. Then with that conversation, he would have said, I had, you know, have this going on and it's really messing up my schedule. And they would have been able to have a conversation. So that starts with an attitude shift. Mm-hmm. We all know teens can be difficult because they're obviously, not all of them, but yes, all of them. <laughs> yes, like, of them. Not like, oh, yes, they are. <laughs> We all went through this. I'm sure we can all recall a time or two when we were a little defiant with our parents. How do we deal with that? You know, sometimes it's hard. This time they were at the airport. But what if you're home and your child is just like right at you? How do you deal with that? Have you ever had that experience? Absolutely. Absolutely. You know, it is the teen years are just some of the most difficult years of Mm -hmm. parenting because you're dealing with somebody who feels like they're an adult. They feel like they can decide for themselves, but they don't have wisdom. They don't have judgment. They Mm -hmm. don't have experience. And they may be taller than you. They may be looking down on you. And I've had that experience. I have a son who is, you know, he's taller and bigger. Mm-hmm. Uh, so he feels like he's got more ability to make sound decisions than he does. You have to get ready for it. I mean, and one of the things that often is a shock is that you look around and, oh, my God, that cute little nine-year-old is now a very rebellious 13 or 14 or 15-year-old. Getting ready, educating yourself, recognizing that you're going to have to have extra stores of patience and love is really, really critical Mm -hmm. because these teen years will 
slip up on you. And then the other part of it is, you got to remember, you are the parent. You should be more controlled. You should have more patience. You should not be taking it personal. You know you're hearing hormones speaking back at you. Yeah. Is it easy? No, it's definitely not easy. But being realistic about the expectations for a child, a teen child who's going through that kind of transition is really critical in my opinion. Mm-hmm. Great. Alrighty, thank you for that. That was amazing stuff. So we're going to go ahead and listen to our next scenario. If you guys are ready, this is called Off to Military School. Have a seat, Sean. What is this? Just sit. Your mother and I have told you time and time again, we cannot continue down this road. What does that mean? We've enrolled you in a new school. You start in three weeks. What? Here, take this. Rockway Military Academy? It's a good school. We've put a lot of work into this. Is this because of the tattoo? No, not only that. You know what this is about. I'll get it removed. Sean. You can't do this. It's done. I'll, no, I'll do whatever you want me to do. I'll do anything. We've been perfectly clear, Sean. The staying out late, dropping your extracurriculars, this whole phase you're going through. What? You're not acting like you. And we can't keep watching you make choices we know you'll regret. We're worried, that's all. You used to be such good friends with Danny and Steven. Why can't you be like them anymore? Don't send me to prison. It's not a prison. It's a high school. It's a prison. It has honors courses, fine arts, 3A football, bowling club even. Are you ashamed of me? Sean. This is my life. You're taking away my life. Don't be so dramatic. Honey, you'll see. It's for the best. If you want me to change, I can I can change. It's too late for that kind of talk. This is a long time coming. You'll thank us for this. Don't say that. Don't, you don't know how good this could be that. for you. All right, enough of that. Conversation's over. And that's... That's all there is to it. Take your time with this, Sean. I'm not going. You're going. I'm not. You'll feel better in the morning. No. I won't. You'll see. Let's go. Well, I think I'm actually sad for this guy. He's going to military school. Um, Doctor, did the parents give up too soon? Was this like the last resort? Goodness. Well, we can imagine what's going on. I mean, there's situations that definitely merit it. I mean, we've got kids sometimes that, you know, drug abuse, this and the other, and they do end up needing to, you know, they've resorted for a long time. But it sounded in the conversation like this was the first time. Mm-hmm. I mean, I'm not sure, but it sounded like perhaps there was a lot going on. History. Historically, uh-huh. mm-hmm. and I'm not sure with the story if there was other interventions. It just kind of seemed like all of a sudden he's going to go in here. There's just no time to process it and to be ushered out. I do, I do get it that there's circumstances that kids do test parents, you know, last fiber, and you just want to send them to someplace so someone else can deal with it. Mm-hmm. But ultimately, it is our responsibility to be, be taking care of our kids. Yes, there's circumstances like in drug rehab, or there's terrible defiant behavior where some parents just feel like they've lost control of their kids and they feel that they need to send them here and there. Oftentimes those um, resources are not as effective as we'd hope for because mm-hmm. there's no attachment, there's no relationship, and you can hear it in the tension. So they're going to go in there very resentful. Yes. Right? So it, it was like it's a, it's a like difficult a, situation. Like a fix my kid here and then mm-hmm. I'll be back for him when he's all good to go. Ultimately, you would like to have buy-in from your child. Exactly. You know? Right. Yeah, you wanted to go as smooth as possible and it seems like these parents were, you know, they went into death desperation mode like right away you know what and one of the things that I felt that affected me because I kind of went through that as a child 
um, when I was kind of going through my little rebellious stage um, <laughs> was what the mom said. Why can't you be like your friends? I mean, oh. those are like damaging words. That makes you feel like you're down here and the world is above you and you're never going to get there. So we're going to do whatever it is that we have to do without you having any kind of consent in it to fix you up. I mean, those kind of things can really, really damage somebody inside. But Jeff, circling back to you, do you think dad, obviously he was very firm with this decision. Do you think they did the right thing here? Or should there have been more communication between maybe some kind of negotiation? I don't know. It seems like it was, this is what you're going to do. Shut up and do it. You know, it's really interesting. You you wonder what they had done up until this point. Mm-hmm, you know, mm-hmm. I mean, had had they really reached the point of desperation? And even so, if that if that were the case, was there any opportunity whatsoever to just kind of engage him in a little in the decision? You know, exactly. Not with a threat. You know, if you don't do this, then here is the prison we're going to send you to, called the military school. But to bring some sense of actions have consequences. And some of that's parenting through the years. You exactly. know, if, if you don't show cause and effect, actions, consequences mm-hmm. throughout your child rearing experience, when your kid gets to the point where suddenly they're doing some things that are really serious, it's kind of late to be coming in with the hammer. Mm-hmm. On the other hand, obviously, there are situations like Alicia mentioned, you know, drugs, um, crime. There are behaviors where this may be the resort, but to spring it on a child by surprise seems a little extreme mm-hmm. in, in a situation like this. And then also just going back to what Omar was mentioning, the parents were comparing him to other kids. I don't know if there were the siblings yeah. or the friends or what, but what happens to the boy emotionally? It seemed to me like I, I kind of try to put myself in his shoes and it's like, like you said, I'm not good enough. So now you're going to send me off. You know, one of the problems with that too is, I mean, suddenly you've brought in this conditional love element. Mm-hmm. I only love you if you act like these other two good role models that exactly. we have over there. I mean, yeah. parental love, by definition, should be unconditional, unconditional. love. Exactly. Mm-hmm. I mean, I love you no matter what. There was not any sense, really, that their love was there for this child. What they wanted was certain behaviors. You're okay if you give them to me. If you don't, guess what? We need to get rid of you or get you off the scene. You didn't really get the, I love you and I really believe this is best for you. It was more like... You know, we're doing this because you've taken us to the limit, and this is our new expression of love, military school. Oh, man. Or many parents might feel like this is tough love, but can this be counterproductive, doctor? Well, I think Jeff just talked about it. I mean, I think you'll you'll get a little bit of resentment later, and we've seen it over and over again, because there was no conversation. It was springed up on them. There was no opportunity to, to go back and forth and just talk about it. Yeah, they're going to be feisty and upset, and and I think it could have been prevented. I mean, I really think if there would have been time to develop and foster a relationship and mm-hmm. not let it... Actually, that's why we're having these podcasts and we're having these programs. We've talked about many topics. If we invest in our children early on, oftentimes this could be delayed. Even in the most defiant children, mm-hmm. one of the things a lot of defiant children have is the need for and questions to be answered for us to take the time and answer questions. Mm-hmm. Whereas when kids are more bent for obedience, you can just say, this is the way it is and that's it. And we know with defiant children, they just need a little bit more time for us to sit with them and give them a little bit more why. In some circumstances, not in everything, but mm-hmm. but they need a little bit more of that. you know. And so if we actually invest in our parenting with our kids, oftentimes it doesn't have to lead to this. Well, this reminds me of the opening question on so many levels. On the surface, I was a pretty compliant kid. Mm-hmm. Beneath the surface, bad, bad boy. 
<laughs> and <laughs> what happens is you can be manipulated by your kids. You know, oh, my yeah. parents wanted to see good grades. Hey, no problem. I was able to deliver that. But my underground behavior yeah. was quite defiant. Hmm. And um, I'm also reminded of a, a classic outcome of this military school scenario. I had two college roommates who were uh, in military school. They got to college. They didn't last one semester. It was like freedom at last. They mm-hmm. completely wilded out, never went to class. Wow. And you get the sort of rebound effect. Okay, I'm going to give them what they want. I'll go through this military mm-hmm. thing. But at the first opportunity, Mr. Crazy is about to come out. And right. then the consequences are a lot more serious. Yeah. Thank you so much for sharing those personal experiences, Jeff, with us. As we're going to go ahead and jump over to the next scenario. This is called Thanksgiving. Well, that's an easy one. I'm thankful for family. Those of us here and those of us not here. Like Ian. Quiet. Today's about being thankful. Let's stay thankful. But yeah, that's all I need. Family. I'm sorry I'm late. Where were you? Cam gave me a ride. I had to wait until he was ready to go. That's not what she asked you. Kennedy. It's Thanksgiving. You haven't been around all week and now you show up late expecting a free meal? What crawled up your butt? Kennedy, cool it. Ian, sit down. Fix yourself a plate. No. No, I don't think so, Ian. You don't get away with that. What are you talking about? Is this how it is now? When we need you, it's only your mom and your sister, so you just bail? Don't talk to me. You have no idea where I was. Come and go as you please, just like Dad. Who are you all of a sudden? How many times did mom tell you? Did I ask you? This was supposed to be special and you ruined it. Hey, Kennedy, Ian, no fighting. I'm standing up for you. I didn't ask you to. You know the rules. You're so Don't attack your sibling. Don't attack your sibling. Whatever else you do, fine. We can deal with it. But you will not fight. You will not end up like your father and your uncle. Do you hear me? She doesn't even know what she's talking about, mom. Ian, so help me. All right. All right, I'm sorry. Kennedy? Kennedy? I'm sorry. Now sit down. Make yourself a plate. We're not fighting in the house, you hear me? I'm not putting up with it. After everything else that happened this year, I don't need it. You understand me? Yes, ma'am. Yes, ma'am. All right. Now, what are you thankful for? Okay, so we just heard that that was uh, quite interesting. Things went sour from the get-go simply because Ian was late, or Ian. Ian was late. But there's got to be an underlying issue, Uh, doctor. Some type of sibling rivalry, maybe? Yeah, we, we call it precipitating factor. What's the situation that, mm-hmm. you know, it could be anything and all of a sudden you're walking and it's a little needle and everybody explodes. So there's something going on and that's just a trigger, right? Mm-hmm. But they were writing each other and I, you could tell the mom was just frustrated with it. But we can all relate. If you've got, we don't know what the circumstances that provoke that completely, but we could relate with kids just fighting and being against it. But this was very emotionally mm-hmm. attached. And so... One of the things that the mom, she just didn't want to talk about it at all. Yeah. Just, I don't want any more argument. I want peace. This felt like sweeping it under the table or under the rug. Mm-hmm. And I get that, that she wants some sanity. But, you know, you keep sweeping it under the rug and everybody's just going to continue to get angry and opportunity over every little thing. Yes. You know, this time it was late. Next time it's this or that and the other. Until things are the root of the issues discussed, what is it that's the angst? What's the anger? What's the frustration? And under that, what's the sadness that's provoking that? This is going to continue to either be a problem or even grow into something even bigger than perhaps what it was originally. Mm-hmm. Why do you think parents do that? Why not deal with the issue and let it become larger than what it actually is? Or not only parents, just people in general, I guess. 
well, we don't want, we deny things. We don't want to deal with it. We don't, it's easier just to pretend. There's a gazillion ways that we, as individuals, protect ourselves from pain. We don't like the pain. We don't like the discomfort. We don't like conflict. And so we either run, you know, the other Mm -hmm. direction as far as possible, or we just freeze against it. That's just how we're wired as individuals. So oftentimes we have a problem with with handling conflict. That might be because of the way we grew up Mm -hmm. or just our defense mechanism. Hmm. Well, it seems like this this conflict created the stage for uh, the mom to use the analogy of the dad and the uncle. And it seems like maybe they had issues at the dinner table. I mean, this could sometimes rub off on the kids and it could kind of create that climate where it's maybe okay to kind of argue at the dinner table. Jeff, I don't know what you took from this. You just feel like everybody needs therapy. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. And, and there are some yeah. family traumas that affect everybody. Exactly. Kids, parents, mm-hmm. others. And often you just feel like, I mean, I agree, it needs to be fleshed out, worked out, or it's just going to stay there, grow, fester. But what are the options for that kind of intervention? And I'm, I'm just sitting here as I was listening to that going, wow, you know, even if there was an inclination for help, who mm-hmm. seeks help? Where do they go? How does a mom who's left, however it worked out that she was left, find an intervention that works for everybody? Mm-hmm. You know, it's not like you can go to the grocery store and buy some family therapy and I don't know, maybe you have an answer for that. Yeah, I mean, I think that's that's a great dilemma, but there are a ton of resources in the community. If you have insurance, start there. Mm-hmm. If you don't have health insurance, go to your local church, go to your pastor and start there. But when you're finding yourself so frustrated that you don't know where to turn and this is becoming a pattern, seek help. Sometimes even just the wise grandmother in the family mm-hmm. could be of great value. They've been there the done that. Also, there's a lot of parenting workshops in the community and being able to have other parents that have been there and done that and they can speak into your life can be able to be very, very, just give you a one, two, three. And I get it. The kids are upset, but it starts with the parents. Ultimately, they're the authority. They're the ones that would be able to get some idea of how to break it through. What she can do in this circumstance at that moment, she calmed them down, but talk to the daughter later. Mm -hmm. You know, what's going on? You know, you obviously are just riding your brother what you know what is this reminding you of you know this reminded me of this and just being honest and authentic can go a long way and then also speak to the son you know you keep being late all the time Mm -hmm. and that just keeps provoking everybody everybody just keeps being mad Mm -hmm. so talk to the patterns that you see and then speak from the heart and speak to the heart to your children instead of just um, being very heady about it and sometimes we get very logical and people are very emotional they need for you to speak to them to their heart and to their need okay so there are options out there get that but as families often that sort of Mm self-preservation especially if this is out of trauma we don't know maybe the father was killed or whatever the first instinct often is just circle of wagons this is our little drama Mm -hmm. we're not going to go to grandma the counselor the church or anywhere I mean I hear you that the mother the parent should take the lead on that but where do people find the courage to break out of family Mm -hmm. non-disclosure I mean there are movies on this where people just Mm -hmm. lock into the family Mm -hmm. drama and never break out. I mean, where's the pathway out of that, I guess is what I'm really asking you. You have to recognize it. If we don't ever recognize that something's wrong and you don't exhaust it from it, you're not going to get help, right? So if we if we don't say this, I'm sick of this, hmm. you know, and I'm tired of it, 
and there's a problem with it, we can throw all the resources and books and ideas to you. You're not going to do anything with it if you don't mm-hmm. recognize it exactly. and you don't want a way yeah. out. So you, you are right. But also when we, if we're not in the situation and we're a parent or a sister, an aunt, a friend, mm-hmm. I think it's our responsibility to call on others and create that accountability. So if, if this is not me, but I can, oh, I saw my sister struggling this way with my and this is just wrong and it angst, mm-hmm. then I think that's where community comes in because it's in the context of that relationship oftentimes that we also, that helps us sometimes break from that denial. But this is like anything, right? Addiction exactly. or anything like that. If you don't recognize and you're exactly. not sick of it, you're not going to go get help. I was just thinking about that. I mean, the, the alcoholism, very yeah. typical. Everybody knows that uncle so-and-so or yeah. cousin such-and-such has a serious problem, but then it becomes a part of family pride to protect that secret. Mm-hmm. Oh, yeah. I think it's very very courageous yeah. to recognize and then take action, particularly when it breaks that family trust. And we can see it in this situation. Yeah. Lots of people are messed well, up. Well, and usually what ends up happening is that it spills over into the grades, and oh, then yeah. the school oh, yeah. social worker yeah. is the one that calls in the parent, and Catches that's it, usually yeah. then when help is sought. It's exactly. Right? When mm-hmm. things start falling apart, and then event, mm-hmm. there's no way out. Well, you have to because, you know, it's emergency now. Right. So hopefully we can learn from this. If parents out there have a similar situation, it's okay. Seek help. Because if not, you're going to keep running in circles. And it's the same thing. Now, something really important, this is part of our faith series. What role does faith or what role can faith have in situations like this one and the skit prior to this one? You know, in both cases, and it's been said already, I probably should have said it first, our faith leaders our pastor, our priest, the people who are in the faith community around us, their number one role is to be this person where you can go for the kind of intervention and love that would make a difference. Mm-hmm. Biblical truth is rooted in the unconditional love of God, the ability to find a place of self-sufficiency where every problem really can be answered because it exists in a greater context of a fallen world. I won't tell you that every pastor is an expert counselor, but for sure they have been involved in counseling. There is no way to be in a faith community where these situations haven't come up. And you also have the additional element of confidence and confidentiality with those leaders. So people do need to draw close to those who are in the community of faith. Also, I think the faith provides other parents who are there who have struggled through similar circumstances. Get together with your parents. Mm -hmm. There's ample resources. You can listen to these podcasts, download and get together and talk about it, react and just build each other up. But there's so much power in just being with a community of people where you talk about your challenges and then you can walk alongside and build each other up instead of just pretending that everything's okay. Let's just be honest about these types of issues and lift each other up and counsel each other up and give ourselves tips and move forward in that direction and use the different resources that are out there and able to do that. Definitely, definitely. As a matter of fact, you can download the app now on your iTunes store as the struggle is real. That's right. Well, great discussion. Thank you to both of you for joining us. Would you like to add anything else, Jeff, right before we close up? It's really been great to be a part of this podcast. And certainly for those who are interested at www.urbanministries.com, we have a lot of interesting resources. And also at our site, urbanfaith.com, resources for those who can draw from the faith-based community. Very cool. And um, it was just a pleasure to be here. Great. Thank you so much, Jeff. Well, don't miss out our next podcast as part of this faith series called Stay Humble. And that's what you were talking about, Jeff. Admitting when we're wrong. Ay, ay, ay. Oh, wow. <laughs> <laughs> we, we don't always like to do that as parents, but it's important. As challenging as it is, I'm sure that many of you 
can relate. So make sure to listen. One of the most difficult things that we deal with sometimes in life. Um, so this was The Struggle is Real, ladies and gents. Thank you so much. A podcast by Family Bridges, now available, like uh, Veronica mentioned a little while ago on iTunes. So you can download it today, 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 and share with everyone that you know on social media as well. That's right. You can also visit FamilyBridgesUSA.com for additional resources for parents or for groups working with parents. And whenever you want to find us, remember you can use the hashtag the struggle is real or hashtag TSIR for blogs, tips, and more. Thank you so much for listening. I am Omar Ramos with Veronica Avila. Till next time. This was The Struggle is Real by Family Bridges. For more ideas on parenting, get your copy of The Struggle is Real by Drs. Paul Meyer and Alicia Laos on FamilyBridgesUSA.com.